Welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And uh, yeah, so uh, as you know, we have finished all of the team talks. Hooray! Finally, all eight teams. How's it going in London, Chris? We're still on lockdown. Um, it's fine. I'm finding lots and lots of things to keep me occupied. I have started gardening. I've started trying to wow. grow things. Yeah, I have just put in some tomatoes, some potatoes and some courgettes and a few other various bits and bobs. I'm getting really into it. I feel a bit like it's it's the sort of weirdest, nerdiest way to do something constructive with my time. No, I absolutely love that. I love the fact that you've become a gardener with no garden. If only you can get some seeds to grow yourself some loo roll, because I know that that's what we've been running out of at the shops. That would be really useful. Yeah, yeah, that would be and good. And post some down to me in Hampshire. Um, great. Well, as we said earlier, we've finished all of the eight team talks. We really hope you enjoyed the breakdown of each one. And hopefully it's cleared a couple of things up for you. So what we thought we'd do now is discuss each of the teams, how they level up against each other. And we thought what would be most useful is considering that each catchment area team plays each other twice, sort of a derby as such. We thought we'd discuss which of the two derby teams we think would make it into the, sort of the finals day. So that's what we're going to do next. Yeah, excellent. I think, yes, we're, we're definitely going to do that. But before we do, I just had a quick question and I really wanted to see what you thought of this. Uh, as you know, we sort of split the teams and we sort of took 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 lead or took charge on uh, on ones each and we all had to come up with the batting order, so that's what we're playing with. I have to ask you, of the eight teams that we looked at, which batting order was the biggest headache for you and which one was the biggest breeze? that is a good question um but you know what without a shadow of a doubt the first one that came to mind the the biggest headache for me was the London spirit because there's no clear opening batsman so obviously we're doing the batting orders that's the thing that you that you do first there was a lot of great players that came in three four five but the opening partnership I found super super tricky so that was the biggest headache and then the biggest breeze for me I have to say would be the Trent Rockets that just really fell into place quite easily and a lot of the opening batsmen had done recently really really well in the big bash and the PSL which had just finished so that for me was the easiest yeah it's it's interesting it's as soon as you said the London spirit I, I did a little cheer uh, a little silent cheer because I thought that the London spirit was a bit of a nightmare but uh, we got there in the end and that's the important part for me the easiest one to put together and I felt like I almost threw this team together was Welsh fire and I think it was because like it, positions were so clear and so defined in terms of who plays what I'd say potentially the top five you could mix and match around but I think that's personal preference but yeah I'm glad to see that we're on the same page with London Spirit but anyway we will come to them with the derbies right so who is first up should we go north to south let's do that yeah okay cool so we'll do uh, first up we're going to do Manchester Originals and the Northern Superchargers and we're for the, for the purpose of this exercise, they're going to be playing a derby together, so we're going to compare the two teams. So uh, Manchester's team, we agreed on Phil Salt and Joss Butler to open, Tom Abel at number three, Dan Christian at four, then Dane Villas, Wayne Madsen, Mitchell Santner, Wayne Parnell at eight, Imran Tahir at nine, and Saki Mahmood at ten, Matt Parkinson at eleven. So super solid team there. We discussed that there's a lot of spin action, a lot of youthful promise as well with a lot of players that haven't had a lot of experience in the T20 circuit, but have great stats and look super promising. We also talked about the fact they don't have 
a lot of pace in terms of 90 mile an hour bowlers but fairly even team there quite quite good I like the sound of them uh, yeah I'd, I'd say for me that was the big one I actually think that there is a bit of variation in their in their bowling attack and even their number four bowls so, so they have they have one bowler that I would class as a, as a fast bowler and that's Saqib Mahmood but they do have canny operators they've got Wayne Parnell and Imran Tahir who are experienced and so here's a spinner, but Wayne Parnell is a, a seam bowler, but not as fast as he once was. But even at his heyday, he wasn't an express fast bowler. Um, his main weapon was that he was left-armed. Yeah, I think that the interesting makeup of this squad is you sort of intersperse the the young player and the old player. It's almost like you go young, old, young, old, young, old down the squad. So... You have uh, Phil Salt and Joss Butler, for example. So Phil Salt is, is young, and he had a good big bash. I wouldn't say it was an outstanding big bash, but he showed a lot of promise. Joss Butler has been around forever, um, and I was quite surprised that, you know, when we were looking at it, his his strike rate and his batting average, it was good, but it wasn't amazing. Yeah, and I think that Joss Butler, obviously England are hoping he's going to do well as an opening batsman for the T20 format. I personally haven't seen that from him yet. I think that you need to go for someone that, this sounds crazy, has an even higher strike rate to open and sort of more experience. I think that Joss does really well in the one-day format. Mm. This obviously is even shorter than the T20, so it's going to be interesting to see how he does. But if we directly compare the Manchester Originals to the Northern Superchargers, I think that there we'll see the strength of the opening partnership if you want to through that batting order. Definitely. So you've got um, yeah, Chris Lynn, Aaron Finch opening. You've got Adam Lythe, Ben Stokes, David Visa, Ben Folks, Ed Barnard, David Willey, Adil Rashid, Richard Gleeson and Mujib Ur-Rahman. So again, like for me, I think the big delineation here is Ben Stokes, obviously. Who the, counts for three players, according to Chris. Yeah, he absolutely does because he's just that good. I think that whilst the Northern Superchargers have a very strong top four, they have Chris Lynn, Finch, Lyth and Stokes. I think once you get past that, I think there's less of a, a strength in depth with the Northern Superchargers. But they do have some very gun players. They also don't have an out-and-out out fast bowler. Because um, even Ben Stokes is not... He's quick and he can get up there. But I, I always think of him as a medium-paced swing bowler uh, or a fast-medium swing bowler, if that makes sense. So both teams are kind of lacking uh, a really aggressive express pace bowler, which is quite an interesting comparison. But I definitely think that the opening partnership, the Australian two at the top, Chris Lynn and Aaron Finch, they both have had so much experience and they've established themselves as opening batsmen in short format. Yeah. I think they are super aggressive, but they also don't easily lose their wicket. So hopefully they won't have to go down as far as seven and eight in the batting lineup. Ben, you know, if you do lose a wicket early, you've got Adam Lyth, but then you know you've got Ben Stokes coming in. I also think Adam Lyth knows his spot. Those three, Chris Lynn, Finch and Lyth, are all rock solid top order batsmen. And obviously Ben Stokes is Ben Stokes. Uh, but for me, I think that's the big delineation is very strong top order with the Northern Superchargers. I'm curious to see what happens uh, when you get into that middle lower order. But they have, um, you know, they've got Adil Rashid and Majibo Rahman. So they have spinners. It's just the out and out fast bowler. But anyway, um, in the interests of expediency, we will just decide. So if you had to pick, which one do you reckon is going to win? It's really close call and they do reflect each other and in, in, in sort of same difficulties I think as well as 
their strengths. But I think I think the Northern Superchargers just get it for me. Okay, yeah. I, as much as it pains me, because I I, I I'm an Old Trafford Lancashire fan. Um, I think I have to agree with you. I think that the Northern Superchargers do just pip it for me. I really would like to see them with a pace bowler, and they do have Bryden Cars in the squad, which we didn't put into the eleven. So they do have somebody there who can do that. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So uh, that's that. Northern Superchargers pips it for us on this one. So who's uh, who's okay. next? Okay, Birmingham Phoenix is next, and I remember having some difficulty with them with the top five in the batting order, but. I did, in the end, go for Cameron Delport to open with Ravi Bopar, but Moeen Ali, who's definitely a good number three. Kane Williamson, number four. Liam Livingstone at number five, but equally we could have swapped him with Ravi Bopar at two. We went with Ricky Vessels at number six. Benny Howell, number seven. Chris Wokes, Adam Zamper, Shahina Freedy, and Pat Brown. So really deep batting order. They You can bat all the way down to Chris Wokes at number eight and I think Chris you pointed out already that 10 of those 11 can bowl we've got a really good variety in that team top seam and spin bowling um so for me this team is looking super super strong and I don't really know where their weakness lies in this team they they all are decent decent players but you compare them to the Trent Rockets it's like this is a difficult one to compare between the two it is. And let's, so let's run through the batting order for the Trent Rockets. We've got the opening partnership of Darcy Short with Alex Hales, which is super exciting. Then we've got David Milan at number three, Joe Root at number four, the captain, Lewis Gregory, at five, Tom Moores at six, Rasheen Khan at seven, Nathan Coulternal at eight, Matthew Carter, Luke Wood, and Harry Gurney. So just interestingly, if we look at a slightly shorter batting lineup, I'd say up to Tom Moores at six. I do think that the opening pair, Darcy Short and Alex Hales, look more established than Cameron Delport and Ravi Bopara and or Liam Livingston, if you wanted to put him up at two, Chris. But it's interesting that both number four positions went to Kane Williamson and Joe Root. The reliable ones. (laughs) Exactly. But they're also quite similar in the way that they score runs in the shorter format. They managed to do it in a more patient approach, shall we say, but it it does really pay off for them. Yeah. So quite interesting to um, put those two teams together. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're accumulators. And it's amazing, actually, the more and more I'm looking at this, the more and more there's direct comparison. So while you were uh, reading out the order there, I went, oh, hang on. I remember thinking, you know, Henry Brooks couldn't get into Birmingham Phoenix, but Luke Wright can't get into the Trent Rockets. So I went, this is this is actually a bit scary. They're, they're very, very similar. I'd say that, that for me, Birmingham have a slightly stronger edge in that they have so many options who can bowl. And that's not to take anything away from Trent Rocket. You think you've got Rashid Khan and Carlton Isle, uh, Harry Gurney, etc. And Harry Gurney was just on a, a BBC article about him being the best T20 bowler in the world. So I think that's, you know, combine him with Rashid Khan, who historically has been one of the best T20 bowlers in the world. Very, very strong lineup. Uh, I think this is very difficult to call. I would have to say that I think on paper... Although the batting lineup is better with the Birmingham Phoenix, sorry, it goes deeper in the Birmingham Phoenix, I think the opening three in the Trent Rockets are more explosive um, and could be more dangerous. I think the bowlers of the Birmingham Phoenix, for me, are, are more interesting. 
yeah, I think, and then it's it's about where you go for it. It's because I like I I you know I'm when I play cricket, I'm a bowler, so I always look at the bowling attack before I look at the batting attack. <laughs> so I'm going to make you decide on this one, Chris. You made me you made me decide on the last one. If you had to choose one of these two teams, who's going forward? Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Birmingham Phoenix. The the fact that they've got ten options to bowl is is a big is a big plus for me. And yes, Darcy Shaw, Alex Hales. They are a great opening partnership. But I think, okay, you get those two out. You've got Darwin Milan and you've got Joe Root. And um, they're not as explosive, potentially, as somebody like Liam Livingston or Moeen Ali. And um, that's not taking anything away from Cameron Delport. And, yep, I'm going to go with Birmingham Phoenix. Yeah, I'm playing playing my trump card. I'll let you have the trump card on that one. (laughs) So, next up, it's a derby, but it's... They're geographically quite far away, but because all of the others, it's quite easy to make a derby. It's uh, the Southern Brave and Welsh Fire. So yeah, quite a long yeah. drive between the two. Not, it's bit. not going to be the the most aggressive of derbies between those two <laughs> rivals. No, no. The well-known rivals. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, who have we got for the Southern Brave? Obviously. David Warner, we spoke on a previous podcast that he's now no longer there. So let's just assume we've like for like swapped him out with Marcus Stoinis. So yeah, let's run through that batting batting lineup. We've got Marcus Stoinis at number one with James Vince opening with him. We've got Andre Russell at three, Ollie Pope, Ross Whiteley, Shadab Khan at number six, then Delray Rawlings, Chris Jordan at number eight, Joffre Archer at nine. George Garton at 10 and Tymel Mills at 11. So we've discussed it in the episode. It's a team full of pace and full of power. And even though I was gutted to hear that David Warner pulled out and, and I was going to put him in the, in the opening position, actually, Marcus Stoinis has had the season of his life in the last big bash. He was the top run scorer. So it is kind of a like-for-like replacement. David Warner was the top run scorer in the last IPL and Marcus Stoinis had it in this year's big bash. So that's going to be really interesting then you've got James Vince who's obviously the local Mm. lad you know I'd argue you get an extra you get an extra point uh with Marcus Stoinis because he bowls as well so you've got an extra bowler added to the attack yeah you do recently he's actually been limited to his bowling because he's had a foot injury but hoping that by the summer or by the time the 100 if and when that does get put on that hopefully he'll be able to bowl as much as we would like him to as well because yeah that's really useful to have him be able to bowl too Mm. but yeah, really good power and really good pace. So let's see how that tallies up with the Welsh Fire. Yeah, so uh, concurrently we've got uh, Johnny Bairstow and Steve Smith who open, Colin Ingram at three, Tom Banton at four, Ben Duckett at five, Lust Deploy at six, and then Ryan Tenderscarter as Simon Harmer. And number nine, we've got Mitchell Stark. Ten, we've got Liam Plunkett. And eleven, we've got Kais Ahmed. The top five, certainly, and I'd say the top six, almost wrote themselves and you could probably argue which way around they go but those six play for me and there's a clear delineation and then as soon as you hit number seven you've got Ryan Tenderscarter who's probably one of the most long-serving and best all-rounders certainly on county games but also in associate nation cricket and then everyone has got a particular job within that and so I think it's very clear-cut and one thing that I would say about Southern Brave is Whilst they have an intimidating bowling lineup with like Chris Jordan, Joffrey Archer, Tymel Mills, George Garton, they're all very quick. So my the downside of that is that it might be a bit one paced. And also with that pace, I worry about 
the opening batsmen because I think that the opening batsmen in the Welsh fire, I think, are slightly more established. You've got, you know, Steve Smith and Colin Ingram. They don't lose their wickets very easily. Mm. And Johnny Bairstow and Tom Banton are slightly younger and they are the more explosive, but they've had a lot of experience between themselves already. Yeah. Um, whereas Marcus Doinus, James Vince, we know through his England um, experience, sometimes loses his wicket more often than not of, yeah. of, silly, of silly shots that don't need to be played and Andre Russell similar to a Chris Gale type character he's kind of all or nothing um that superstar figure that just you know wants a piece of the pie but often gets gets out doing something fancy so I feel like the opening yeah the opening batters um of the Welsh fire I think are are, are more appealing and they definitely I think the Welsh fire definitely has a really deep batting lineup. They're really specialist Pacific as well and everyone has and knows their role really well and very yeah. well balanced. But I think I'm gonna to have to play my trump card here, Chris. And oh, I think pulling it out so the soon. pace and the power. <laughs> the pace and the power of the Southern Brave, I think is gonna be you've got to think about it in terms of a hundred balls. Okay. So yeah. I know that the batting lineup goes further down in, in the Welsh fire. But it's all about the explosivity of players and just taking chances because you're not gonna in a hundred balls, you've got to do something special. So you need those superstar players. You need, you need those Andre Russells. You need those Jofra Archers. And I think yeah. although Steve Smith's amazing in a shorter format, I don't think he is as brave. And right. that isn't okay. uh, a pun on the Southern brave. But. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's funny. I, I made perhaps I played my trump card too soon, but something tells me that you might have played your trump card on the southern brave anyway but uh, i think this has been a running theme Chris, that i'm uh... not that transparent really <laughs> <laughs> not so much for an open book i just think <laughs> looking down this yeah looking down the top 11 i think if we have to choose between the two um i'm gonna go for the southern brave would you agree with me if i hadn't have played the trump card oh if you hadn't played the trump card i would probably be sat here scratching my head for about another three hours before i gave you an answer I think uh, I, I might I might I might get strong armed into it, but uh, it doesn't matter because you played your trump card, so uh, uh, it's all irrelevant. One, now. I I? Yeah, Let's I gave you a very diplomatic answer. The London teams, because I did say that the London spirit um, got me scratching my head when it came to the batting order. Mm. But do you want to start off with the Oval Invincibles? Yes, I will. So uh, the Oval Invincibles, uh, way back. This was uh, this is one of our first podcasts when we did this one. Uh, so opening up, we've got Jason Roy and Riley Russo. Uh, number three, Sunil Narine. Number four, Sam Billings, who keeps wicket. Number five, Fabian Allen. Six, Laurie Evans. Seven and eight, uh, Sam and Tom Curran. Nine, Sandeep Lamachani. Ten, Hardisville Yearn. And eleven, Reese Topley. So again, I remember finding this um, quite difficult because there's a bunch of players there where I, I'm not quite sure where they batted. The only two that I went perhaps, okay, dead cert openers would be Jason Roy and Riley Russo. Everything else I went, mm, I'm not quite sure. Well, that was interesting because that's a direct comparison to the London Spirit. I'll quickly run through that team and then we can talk about both of them together. So again, had problems with the openers. I went for Adam Rossington to open with Rory Burns. And then um, the well-established Glenn Maxwell put him at three. Dan Lawrence at four, the captain Owen Morgan at five, Mohammed Nabi at six, followed by Carl Abbott, Rolof van der Merwe, 
Mohammed Amir, Mark Wood, and Jane Dernbeck. So again, I had problems with the opening pair because a lot of the other players that I left out were England test openers, such as Zach Rawley and Joe Denley. Mm-hmm. So very, very tricky and directly the same problems between the two London teams, which is interesting. It's interesting, yeah, it's, it's the opening batsman we struggled with. And I think uh, perhaps like there were question marks specifically with London Spirit about Adam Rossington, whilst not necessarily our immediate choice, because I think were it not the issue of having a wicketkeeper, I probably would have put Joe Denley there instead of Adam Rossington. But also Rory Burns, he's the test player and he was there before the auction, but... Uh, you know, I've got to be bluntly honest. He he wouldn't walk into the squad uh, were he any other player for me. No, exactly. And kind of you kind of feel like those players that do have England status, whether it is in the Test squad or the shorter formats, you almost want to include them because I guess mm. we're just used to seeing them more often on the international stage, and they have had that experience. Yeah, um, but then you go into, well, three down. There's such strength in both squads. I would argue that actually upon reading it, the London spirit has a more varied and interesting bowling attack. Again, I'm, I'm putting my bowler's hat on. You've got the pace of Kyle Abbott and Mohamed Amir and Mark Wood. You've got the seam variations of Jade Dernbach. You've got spin in Rilof on de Merva and Mohamed Nabi and Glenn Maxwell. You've got big hitters, Glenn Maxwell, Owen Morgan. Do you know what? It's weird because I remember when we did the London Spirit breakdown, not really thinking that much of the London Spirit team. But upon looking at it, apart from the openers, I, I kind of prefer them over the Oval. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Fabian Allen, who is on our Oval squad at number five. And the Currens... Um, and they've got Sandeep Lamachani, but I think their bowling attack, apart from maybe Hardisville Yearn, as far as the seam department goes, it's a little bit samey. They all bowl yeah, around about the same. What I I do agree with you, and I think that although the Oval Invincibles have a lot of Surrey players, which we have to remember, would is really beneficial if you know the the home ground really well and the conditions there. But I do think that the London Spirit, we've got to mention that they have, according to the ICC, two of the top all-rounders in the world in white ball format. They've got Glenn Maxwell and Mohamed Nabi in the same team and led by Owen Morgan, who is one of the coolest captains out there in the shorter formats, Mm. arguably the best in the world at the moment. Um, I do think that the London Spirit, you've also got Shano. Oh, yeah, so, of course. And, you know, he, he might as well be a player as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. I think we're both in agreement with this one. Although, again, yeah. similarities, um, I do think we're both in agreement that the London spirit will just yeah. will just win over the Oval Invincibles. I, I wanted to put a quick shout out because uh, the Oval Invincibles have two players in their bench squad that I think me and you respectively quite like because I really like Will Jacks as a batsman and you really like Chris Wood as a bowler. Yeah, um, and they didn't even make it into the eleven. Um, yeah, it's interesting, but no, I, I think yeah, London Spirit will go with that. So who who gets through to our last four out of those again? We've got London Spirit. Okay, yeah, London Spirit out of the London teams. Um, out of the Southern teams, we went with Southern Brave, and we went with Birmingham Phoenix and Northern Superchargers. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, okay, that, that gives us a clear delineation. So the next question, and I think we've been waiting nine or ten episodes to put this in writing, or as close as we can on a podcast, which team are you going to be supporting? Well, that's a good question, Chris. And uh, you know me, I like a bit of mystery. Um, and I know you're not going to know, have, have a clue who I'm no. going to be affiliated with, who I'm going to be supporting. But to be honest with you, I will say that 
being I am from London and I did really want to support a London team. I I do think that out of all of the teams, the two London teams, I think are slightly the weakest in the whole competition. Mm. So that is why I'm going to go with the Southern Brave. No, you're not going yeah. for the Southern Brave, are it. you? Oh, I've said it now. <laughs> that came completely out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, I know. But to be honest, Chris, you have dilly-dallied around all of the Northern teams. So I want to know, I want, I want you to tell me which one you're going to be supporting now. You're right, I have. I've been dilly-dallying, definitely. Um, it was difficult because being a Lancashire fan and going to Old Trafford quite a lot, I really wanted to support the Manchester Originals team. And I really do like their squad. I like the pro- the promise and potential of it. But having said that, in terms of the strength of teams that are around me and all that are within, within uh, eye shot of where I'm from... I'm gonna go for the Birmingham Phoenix. I'm gonna support Birmingham Phoenix. It's got it's got Moe and Ali in it, and I I love Moe and Ali and Liam Livingston. So I've got a bit of Lancashire there. I think that's a good shout, and I support you in supporting the Birmingham Phoenix. <laughs> I feel supported in that. Great. So that is our eight. So now we've chosen which team we think will dominate the hundred. We'd love to hear from you guys. After all of those team talks, we've hoped it made it a little easier for you, even if it's not your normal team of choice your catchment area even if it pains you to do so we want to hear which team you think will make the final of the 100 and possibly even win it just from these stats alone so tweet us at 100 report or send us an email the 100 report at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you before we move on i wanted to take a minute to talk about our sponsor right now i want to take a minute to tell you about my friend adam aka the gym starter He uses all his energy to help you stay on track with your goals in fitness, fat loss and fun. And the best bit? He does it all over the internet. His members-only group, known as the Fitness Collective, is a place full of workouts, recipes and training manuals so Adam can get you educated, motivated and, above all, the results you want. You can join now for just £15 a month. Just head to www.thegymstarter.com or he's at the gym starter on social media. So as we've just gone through all of the eight teams that we have, let's talk about some other pressing news that's going on around the hundred and around well international cricket and beyond that around everything in the world at the moment. COVID nineteen, um, it has to be talked about because it's happening. So there's a few things that are going on because of this. Obviously, the 100's slated to start at the end of July. There's a lot of talk about it being postponed, being cancelled, being moved. There's a lot of talk about how the cricket season is going to work this summer, if at all. So I figured we should just address it and have a talk about the implications that it's going to have. So there are a few options, one of which is the 100's not supposed to start until July 17th. So please God, this is all over by then and the lockdown is well and truly finished. But there's still going to be a staggered sort of come back to normal life. So one of the options could be to start the 100 on July 17th, but for it to be played behind closed doors, which would be a real shame because obviously being cricket lovers, I I mean, I've got loads of tickets to the games already. Um, I think (laughs) a lot of the games have sold really well. Um, But it means that if, you know, it means that we could have some games to watch and Obviously, we know that the BBC and Sky Sports will be showing the 100 this summer, so we can still watch the games. We just won't be able to be, you know, at the stadiums, which is a shame, but at least 
at least it will happen. Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's big positives and negatives because, you know, I, I think both of us, as we are uh, big cricket fans, I spend most of my summertime, if I'm not outside in the parks, I'm inside watching cricket. And, but again, it's a lot of it's on the TV. But having said that, I can only speak, say, for example, last summer when we went to go and watch a bunch of cricket matches. So, you know, we, you know, we both went to go and see the Ireland Test match. Uh, we both went to go and see a bunch of NatWest Blast uh, games. And there's something about, you know, seeing it in real, in real life and real time and getting that visceral feel of being in the crowd. But at the same time, we're all desperate for content at the moment because we're all stuck indoors. And... There has to be something to be said from it. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. It's a strange equivalence, but have you seen uh, footage from uh, WWE wrestling? Um, no, I can't say I have. So it's uh, I, I only see it in snippets. I, I must admit, I'm, uh, I haven't really watched wrestling for a very long time, but they play it behind closed doors, and it's done in a wrestling ring, but the crowds are all empty. Now, you lose a little bit of that fanfare in the back and forth, but... At the same time, if you were to regard wrestling as a kind of a soap opera, say, for example, you can follow along with a story. The fans still get action. Um, now, I'm not saying that you can equate cricket and wrestling in the same boat, but there's something to be said of watching the matches and enjoying them from inside your house and keeping it going. It's also financially remunerative for the ECB for all of the uh, the television providers for Sky for the BBC. It's also a huge boon because we can't forget that. What? How long has it been now? It's been nearly fifteen years since cricket was on terrestrial TV, bar the World Cup final. Exactly, but just going back to your point with wrestling, I, I can really imagine that's quite difficult because I from from the matches I have seen, the crowd really get involved. They're super rowdy, so I wonder whether um, they could do sort of. You know how you have those soap operas with the canned laughter at certain <laughs> points. You know those sort of sound bites, um, sound effects. I wonder whether you could have had those in the wrestling matches at a certain time. The crowd, ooh, and shouting just to give some kind of atmosphere there. But before the lockdown happened officially in the UK, there were a couple of football matches that were, I think it was Champions League that I was watching, and they went ahead behind closed doors. And that was really interesting to see. I have never seen a cricket match behind closed doors, but I did watch on the TV the football match. And it was bizarre, the first sort of 10 minutes. But the commentators did a great job, and you're mostly listening to the commentators anyway. Mm. Cricket would be slightly different because there's a lot more time to cover. But then at the same time, when you're watching it on the TV, you are aware that the crowd is there. But it's not It's not like wrestling where <laughs> it's it's really loud through the television. So I think... After the initial sort of 10 minutes, it's definitely worth it. It's a shame to lose that atmosphere. And obviously the clubs would lose the ticket sales. But what they would lose if it's completely cancelled from the television rights is so much more. And I know that a lot of the clubs, uh, county clubs, are really struggling right now because they've still got to play, you know, they've still got to pay their players, but they don't have any championship matches. Their seasons would have well and truly started by now. And to lose the television revenue of the 100 would be huge. So I definitely think it's worth doing, if even if it means behind closed doors. However, the next string to that bow, the next problem, the dilemma that they have for the 100 is, if we are playing behind closed doors, it is because there's still some social distancing going on, which would therefore mean, surely, that the airports would still have problems and a lot of flights would not come in and out of the UK and elsewhere in the world and there'll be a staggered a journey back to normality for each country depending on yeah. the figures and I can so definitely see where you're aiming we probably <laughs> <With> lose <this. laughs> the international players 
And not only the international players, some of the Colpac players might not be residing in the UK during this lockdown time. Mm. They may well be with other family, whether it be in the Netherlands or South Africa, wherever they, they might have family, they may have chosen to go and lock down there. So they might not even be able to return. So we would it be as interesting, would it be worthwhile launching the 100 lacking the international players and the international flair that they spent so much money on? I think it's a very, very salient point that you bring up um you know i'm trying to just look across one of the teams for example so uh you know if you took say for example the welsh fire if you took away all of the international players and the colpack players you would lose steve smith colin ingram lust deploy possibly ryan tender scarter simon harmer mitchell stark and kais ahmed so that's seven of the starting 11 so, and chris possibly the coach and the coach as well so you know it's a it's very strange. That's that I for me. That's a bigger downside because, like you, I'm totally in agreement. If it were to play behind closed doors and we could get to see the contest, and not only that, people have some entertainment. They have something to watch and something to entertain them. And especially because I foresee the hundred being, uh, you know, an action style hundred, and it's definitely something that you can get the kids involved with if you're stuck indoors. Um, yeah. And that's one of the main remits of the hundred is to get younger people and people who perhaps aren't into cricket, into it. So I think it would work in that regard. One of the criticisms of the 100 is, and I know Michael Vaughan was speaking about this quite a lot at the beginning when it was launched, was, you know, and he is a real supporter of the 100, but he did say, where are the English coaches? We really need to, the whole point of the 100 is to nurture these county players, to give them a a spot on the international stage to shine Mm. amongst these other greats from around the world. We should be doing that with the coaches also. There are no British coaches on any of the teams. So I don't think any of the coaches actually reside in the UK. So would they be able to even return to the 100? This is a a big point. I mean, you know, there's probably an argument that you could coach remotely. Uh, That's obviously not ideal, but you could probably do that. But it's, it's one thing having a coach who's telling you what to do via Skype or, uh, and it's another thing having a player who can't show up for the match. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that my belief is that there's a lot, there's enough talent in the UK, especially if, you know, this is being prioritised, it gets uh, mixed in so that everybody can play it as well as whatever test matches happen to go ahead. Um, and I, I think it would be a good idea to to get it going and to entertain people. So I'm from based on what we're talking about, I'm still of the belief that it would be better to play it behind closed doors and show it to everybody and kick it all off. And it would be an interesting, I think it would be an interesting sales tactic as well if it's having its inaugural season all behind closed doors. So I, for, for me, it only generates interest because then if people get into it, they go, oh, maybe next time I'm going to actually go and watch a match. Yes, I do agree with you. I also think that this is a new format that hasn't been played before. It's a good way of testing out the format. And a lot of the, the, the guys on the bench that we couldn't quite give a place in the first team could definitely uh, do a, an amazing job in, in the first in the starting eleven. Mm. And if there's, if there's still other Colpac players that they've lost that are residing abroad, there's plenty of options in the catchment area for county players that aren't playing their championship season. So I feel like there's enough players to go around to fill each team and it's good to to give the format a trial that again they might not have the coach but again county coaches could step in I just think that 
and I don't get me wrong, I really want, obviously, <laughs> making this podcast, really want the 100 to launch. <laughs> the, the ECB have put so much money into this, so much mm. effort. I worry that if you sort of launch it, I'm not going to say half-heartedly because it's not anyone's fault that it's not 100% go in, in July, if that if that is the case. But yeah. I worry about launching it in this climate. It's so far removed from the initial teams that everyone was so excited about that it's, you know, good to get some stats up there. It's good to see how the format would work, but it wouldn't necessarily be fair on some of the teams. It wouldn't be a fair contest if some teams have lost more players than others. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, it would be a bit messy. So I would like to consider the other option that they have, which is to sadly take the 100 and put it on pause until the following year mm -hmm. and bring something like the Vitality T20 Blast, put that later in the summer, um, where it is predominantly county players that are based in the UK. The yeah. format's already there. Everyone knows what they're doing with that. Play that behind closed doors and ask the BBC to support cricket in that way and take whatever games that they were going to be showing for the 100 and support some of the T20 matches on television because I think it's super important to get English cricket on terrestrial television again and that would be such a shame if if the games were lost and would starve some of the public that that aren't lucky enough to have Sky to to not be able to see any cricket this summer so yeah. that's another option yeah I, I think I think so because uh, the best way that they can capitalize on bringing people into the game is taking you know what Ben Stokes did last year in test cricket and taking what England did in the World Cup and running with it this is why I'm so keen to watch this get get launched because it's kind of a, a an injection of uh, invigoration of like grassroots cricket because it has these international players but like we were saying say for the Manchester team for example all of these guys are or a lot of those guys are young up-and-coming English players that people can get behind it's odd because I mean we're we're just sort of guessing at the moment and trying to figure out what is going to happen if at all i believe that the ecb are going to make an announcement regarding the hundred in, the, in this week so i guess we'll keep our ears to the ground and figure it all out i'm surprised they're making announcements so early on because we still have technically two more weeks a two and a half more weeks of this lockdown status mm. for it then to be reviewed again so if the government still don't know what their strategy is it's really hard for the ecb to foresee what's going to happen and make that decision but I wouldn't be surprised if they talk about pushing the the Vitality T20 Blast later in the summer, but we'll mm. see. I'm interested, interesting to hear what they've got to say. Definitely. So um, this is uh, we might as well use this opportunity to shout it out to all of you guys who are listening. What what do you think is going to happen? What would you see as the best best possible scenario? Do you think it's going to be better playing behind closed doors, behind closed doors without the international players, um, moving it to next year? prioritizing the blast um there's so many different iterations and it'd be really fascinating to hear what you guys think about what is going to happen going forward but um anyway i think we should wrap up there and uh let's talk about what we're going to do next so uh, we're going to talk about the women's teams yeah so we've covered the eight men's teams there's also eight women's teams to talk about we're going to do it slightly differently because each team has only announced eight of their players so what we're going to do in one episode we're going to cover two teams because there's half the players to talk about and introduce you to the women's teams which i'm really excited to do 
as we're going to do two per podcast, we started in, in your neck of the woods in London last time. So why don't we start in my neck of the woods this time? We'll uh, we'll do the northern teams, yeah? All right, you're on. So why don't we do the, the derby teams again? So we'll start with the north and work our way down to the south, doing those two teams together. Excellent. Look forward to it. Well, uh, that's it. That's the end of our podcast. Again, thank you so much to everybody who's already uh, subscribed or followed us on social media. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe to us on YouTube and on iTunes, and it's The 100 Report. And don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter, which is at 100 Report, and Instagram at The 100 Report. So, so long from me. And so long from me. Take it easy out there and stay safe.